Do you want a wonderful relationship lesson? Think of a conversation you had with someone you love where you rejected or disagreed with something they wanted to do for themselves. Got something in mind? Now go up to them and tell them you've reconsidered and not only support their decision, but will actually help them achieve it if they want or need your help. This may sound hard, and it often is, but this is the kind of opposite thinking you sometimes need to heal what may be a breaking or broken relationship. That's one of the many lessons I teach over in the Healed Being program at HealedBeing.com. If you've discovered that you're often the difficult one in the relationship and want to change that about yourself, check out the program. It may be just what you're looking for. HealedBeing.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only, but I hope you get something wonderful from it to help you in your life. Speaking of someone that um, apparently this show has helped, I don't want to pat myself on the back, I'll let him do it. Uh, he says, um, good morning, Paula. Before I say anything, I just want to thank you for being you and doing all that you do. Your efforts are so incredibly appreciated. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. I will do my best. He goes on to say, I just finished listening to your episode. Is honoring yourself supposed to destroy relationships? The topic was recently very relevant in my life. My former partner and I had been together just over a couple of years, and she is wonderful or she is a wonderful person, and about six months ago, things started changing. I spoke to her about it, and she acknowledged my concerns that she had become distant, and communication had been dwindling, and our connection was suffering. I felt as though I was the only one putting any effort into the relationship. About a month later, she sent me a message saying that she got approved for a dog and wanted to pick it up this weekend, and I'm not going to read you all the details, but um, he described what happened he went with her because he wanted to support her, even though they were having some relationship difficulties. And um, he pretty much did what I talked about at the very beginning of this episode, which was just a quick intro blurb about the Healed Being program, which is supporting someone, even if you have a disagreement about what they want to do or what they want for their lives. And in his letter, he said that he didn't want a dog. In fact, he had a dog. He already had a dog, and this was sort of a relationship decision that was going to affect him, especially because he already had a dog, but she never mentioned it to him. She just said, hey, I'm going to get a dog. <laughs> I can actually relate to that, because when I was married, um, my wife said that um, she wanted this dog. She showed me the dog, and she said, I'm going to get this dog. And I thought, uh, uh, wait, um, 
I don't want a dog. <laughs> I don't want to take care of a dog. I don't want to have to walk a dog. And she said, I'm going to take care of it. It's all me. I will be the person that um, takes care of everything. I still didn't want it, but you know what? That's what I, I wanted to do. I wanted to support my wife like he wanted to support his partner. And so I said, okay, you know what? If you get the dog, one of my issues was once I have an animal, I dedicate myself to that animal. So this is a big decision for me because once we get a dog, I'm committed. This is it. This is my lifetime now. This is I'm going to be attached to this dog. I'm going to make myself its father. And uh, so I made that decision. I didn't want it, but she wanted it, and I wanted to support her even though I disagreed with it just like I was saying at the beginning. And so that's what happened. She traveled, she got the dog, and they bonded right away, and she brought it home, and that thing would not bond with me at all. It would not bond. I mean, this was a Pomeranian, and apparently they bond with one person. And everyone else is, eh, it seems they could care less. Maybe it's different with families and kids and things like that, but they are very much one person dogs, I'm told, or at least I've read. And so I tried to bond, and he was never really excited to see me, but I did my best. And um, I treated them like my own family. And so we took him to dog training, and that taught me a lot. Dog training teaches you so much about um, how to become a good parent, a good master for your dog and uh, this is what this person did this is why I'm mentioning it this person also took their dog to dog training because it became aggressive with his dog so this partner he had had um, gotten this dog he went with her and, and got it supported her even though he didn't want it and when they brought it back uh, it went fine for a few months and then the dog became aggressive with his dog and so they decided to take it to dog training but they both had a, a different way or a different perspective on what good training should be, or at least what type of training the dog should get. She wanted positive reinforcement training. He wanted that too, but also if the dog became aggressive, he wanted to be able to raise his voice and pull them off of each other and you know, show some disciplinary structure in that. And I understand that. I'm not saying one method is better than another. Uh, I'm not saying that maybe there's a way to train them when they're being aggressive to uh, tempt them with a treat to pull them away. That could work. I don't know too much about it. I know that the training I was taught uh, and the training I learned from people like Caesar Milan, which some people agree with and some people don't, all of that seemed to work for me and our dog when we were going through our training. So I read his story very much relating to his story because there was a disagreement. I didn't want the dog. We got the dog. He didn't want the dog. They got the dog, and he did his best. So he continued in his message to um, say that during the training, they had a disagreement about telling the dog trainer about the aggression because she just wanted the training to go by the book or something like that. And the trainer caught wind of the aggressive behavior and said, you should have told me that first, so we could have addressed that first, and on and on. So um, I'm leaving out a lot of the details, but I share that because, just like I said at the beginning of the program, it's 
a healthy thing to want to support someone, even if you disagree with what they want to do with their life and the decisions that they make. And it is a commitment to bring an animal into your life. Sometimes a 20-year commitment, or if you have a parrot or a turtle, a 60-year commitment or longer. It's just something that um, it's important to consider. And I don't have to tell you that. I know you know this stuff. But uh, when it comes to being in a relationship and making a decision like that, any decision that involves a deeper commitment, um, it's important to be on the same page. And what he had to do was get on the page she was on to be supportive. And he said, you know, listening to my show helped him make certain decisions like this. I don't know if he learned what he told me on this show or not, or maybe it helped him just understand that in order to support your partner, you should support them even if you disagree with them. That's a challenge. It's like I was talking about at the beginning. But it is part of the definition of, or at least entirely the definition of love, or at least my definition of love, which is supporting their path to happiness, supporting their decisions, even if you disagree with them. That is, in my opinion, truly loving someone. When you support the decisions they want to make for themselves, even if you don't like those decisions. That's why love can shine and glow and grow when you support someone doing something that you may not want yourself, but you know they want. I'm not saying you do this with children that are about to make a terrible decision that could change their life in a bad way. How you raise your children is up to you, but I will say that the more you support your children, the less they rebel. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Uh, but in equal adult relationships, where you're supposed to be an equal partner, we are two individual adults with our own lives. And when we walk into a romantic relationship with our own history, our uh, independence, our own ability to make decisions. And when we do that, we don't necessarily want all of that to go away. I don't want my ability to make decisions to do the things that I want to do to go away when I meet someone and I'm with them and we share a life together. Some might if I decided that um, I enjoyed dating different people. <laughs> that decision's probably going to go away when I get into a committed relationship. Well, it will. It's not something that I would bring into the relationship because I'm committing. So there are compromises, there are sacrifices, but these compromises, these sacrifices should come with some sort of replacement or substitute or benefit so that when you say, oh, I can't date around anymore, but I get to spend my life with someone special, that could be an equal or better. I like to see being in a good, healthy relationship as a better than a uh, an equal. If I was single before and I enjoyed the single life, which really wasn't me, but as far as dating anyone, but if that was me, then I would want to believe that having a special relationship with the right person is going to be better than what I was experiencing before. If it's not, then you know maybe I wouldn't enjoy the relationship as much as I think I should. I'm not saying it can't work. A lot of things can work, but we have to 
remember that there are compromises and sacrifices. And when we think about getting into any type of relationship, we may have to make those compromises or sacrifices and sometimes agree with things we don't necessarily agree with. (laughs) You don't have to. You might actually make life harder if you don't want to. You might have disagreements and you might say, no, I can't allow that into our relationship, but that won't work for me. That might be what you say. And then they may feel not supported. So I'm not saying you have to um, agree to everything that they want to do, but it does make life easier if you allow someone to be their whole selves, the entirety of who they are, if you can, if you can, because sometimes the relationship doesn't um, accommodate the entirety of someone. Sometimes there does need to be a little bit of that compromise. If my girlfriend, when she was single before we met, um, if she liked to wake up at two in the morning and crank, you know, really heavy music and, and she danced around the house, I'm sorry, she's going to have to compromise that. <laughs> I need to get my sleep. Um, I suppose I could probably wear earplugs. I don't know. I, I might find a way through that. Maybe it wouldn't bother me. I don't know. But that's the idea is that we can't bring the entirety of everything that we used to be into a relationship. But I think the goal is to get into a relationship with as much of us intact as possible. This is why emotionally abusive relationships tear away or strip away much of ourselves. The emotionally abusive person will pick apart who the other person is and start to diminish or disintegrate who they are. And they do that in order to mold and shape them into what they want them to be. And the more that happens, the longer the relationship goes on, the, the more disintegrated the other person is. And um, disintegrated is a good word for that because I think when you are healthy and you feel good in yourself, that there are all these parts of you that are just integrated. You know, my um, laughy, happy self is integrated with my loving, caring self, which is integrated with a uh, part of me that loves to work on wood projects and likes to listen to classical music. All these parts of me that um, are, that's not compartmentalized, but there are parts of me that do different things. Sometimes I like to play. Sometimes I like to read. I think this is how people are built. We have these parts that uh, a part of me does this and a part of me does that. And some people might disagree with that, say, no, that's all of me. (laughs) When I'm listening to classical music, that's the loving part of me. That's the happy part of me. That's the sad part of me. It could be that too. I'm not here to talk about that necessarily, but I like to look at that as all the parts of ourselves integrated. And when we're in a toxic relationship, those parts of us become disintegrated, uh, which is why I like the word disintegration. Because when somebody is picking apart the parts of who you are, that does feel like you are breaking apart. And the word part is in apart as well. You're breaking apart. And if somebody is really toxic and just takes out the good parts of you 
what's left over? I'm not saying it's bad parts. It might be the sad parts, though. It might be the hurt parts, the part of you that feels guilty all the time, the part of you that feels responsible for all the problems because they made you feel that way. Or at least they set up a scenario so that you believed you were the bad guy. And um, that happens a lot. And I talk more about that over at my other podcast, Love and Abuse, over at loveandabuse.com. Emotionally abusive relationships are any relationship that you feel a slight disintegration of you day after day. It's the drip feeding, a compound effect of um, hurtful behavior day after day. So that's what happens is that um, someone can become less of themselves. And that's what I call it, disintegration. Um, And it, it turns you into a shell of your former self. And so I'm not saying that this person who wrote is experiencing that. I kind of went off on a tangent. (laughs) But I think you should bring in the totality of who you are into a relationship and um, see what parts of you you can preserve because that's who you are. And the more the other person supports all the parts of who you are, the more integrated you are and the more healthy the relationship is because that means you can talk about anything you can bring up any subject and it's not going to be off limits and when you can talk about anything then you can have the hard conversations they are easier they may not be easy but the harder conversations should be easier when you get to be who you are or at least closest to the totality of who you are so with this person who wrote um, he actually just goes on to say uh, something interesting and something I didn't expect he said that um, you know we had our differences with the dog training and we had communication issues and after the dog training um, we lost or we went through less and less communication And he said, I decided to step back and just let her contact me, give her some space. And a couple days later, she said, we need to talk. You know what that means. We need to talk. And so they made arrangements to get together. He made her a meal. And then um, after a conversation, they went their separate ways. And he said, I'm sure I made mistakes and contributed to the demise of the relationship. It's been disappointing, but it's also been the easiest breakup in my life. And he said, hopefully, that's a sign I have grown up and I'm an example of how your program has helped. I I don't want to take credit for that. You have done the work. You did all of this yourself. Sure, you may have learned some stuff and applied some stuff from my program, but again, I don't want to pat myself on the back. I'm glad you did. (laughs) That helps my ego a little bit and helps me keep going, knowing I'm doing the right thing, going in the right direction, at least for certain people out there. Uh, So thank you for your words. But the reason I read your message and I went off and talked about all all this other relationship stuff and emotional abuse and all that is because I believe there is a mature way to break up. I'm going to say it. There's a mature adult way to break up. It sounds like this is what happened. Sounds like this is what happened. And This is very difficult for me, or surprising, I should say, for me to say, because I've never been good at breaking up, just like probably 98% of the audience. I've never been good at breaking up, 
because I didn't want to, first of all. I'm a long-term serial monogamist, as my girlfriend calls me, and uh, I never wanted to break up. And I had relationships where I didn't necessarily care about the person anymore. It was actually one. I had one relationship where I didn't care about the person anymore. I was a very young teenager, and uh, I didn't want to break up. That's weird, isn't it? I just, I didn't want to leave. But I didn't care about the person. I mean, I cared. I just didn't care to be with the person anymore. But I didn't do the deed. I didn't face the music, I guess you could say. I didn't want to break up. Maybe I didn't want to be the bad guy. And that's what happens a lot. We don't want to be the bad guy. We don't want to step in there and say, look, this isn't working. Um, I, my, my feelings have changed. My values are different than yours. I need to go my own way. How often do we approach a situation like that? Some people do. Some people are very good at that. But can you get that from the other person? Will they say, wow, thank you for sharing that. You know, I've, I've sensed some tension between us, and if that's the direction you want to go, I fully support that. I fully support that because I don't want to hold you back from what you want. I really want you to be happy. So, absolutely, if that's what you need, then that's what I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Who's going to do that? <laughs> it might happen. It's rare, but it might happen. It, it sounds like maybe this person who wrote to me had something to say like that. Maybe. I don't know. He didn't share exactly what he said, but maybe he said that. Or maybe it was painful. Maybe he said, oh, you really want to break up? Uh, we were getting close and I thought we were working things out and oh that's really sad I'm not saying that's wrong I think that's a another way to approach a breakup I think that's really sad I don't want to break up with you but you know if she wants to break up what are you gonna say then there are those of us that might go please <laughs> please don't leave me I love you so much please I don't want you to leave I'll do anything I'll do anything you say. I have been there uh, multiple times. <laughs> I have been that person. But I also had a big fear of being alone. I had a big fear of abandonment and rejection. And I carried that into my relationships. And unfortunately, that can lead to controlling and manipulative behavior. If you carry any fears or dysfunctions like that into a relationship and the person has their own thoughts and own decisions and own ideas and you don't like it because it might take them away from you for a certain period of time or longer, you might end up trying to control them. You might end up hurting them in ways that you don't even realize. That's what I was doing. I was hurting my partners in my life in ways I didn't realize until much later. And uh, it was a control issue. If I could control what they did and what they did with their time and who they saw, if I just acted jealous and possessive enough, that might cause them to want to stay with me. Really messed up thinking. <laughs> it really is. I can see that now. I can admit that now. But in that time, I thought controlling and manipulative and hurtful behavior would cause them to stay. 
when in reality it caused them to disintegrate inside themselves. They didn't feel good being around me because I did not support their path to happiness or support their decisions or support what made them feel good or support what helped them get their needs met or whatever. Instead, I felt my needs weren't being met and I felt fear that if I didn't control them, I would lose them. But wanting to control or change someone will lose them. They will not want to be with you. They will want to seek time away from you and more time away from you and more time away from you and try to avoid you until they're out of love and don't want to be with you and don't want to connect with you anymore and don't want to talk to you. I mean, it goes extreme and there's some level in there that uh, you'll reach before you find out that there's no more relationship. Where did the relationship go? Why did they leave me? That was another thing. I kept blaming them for leaving. They must have a problem. They have an issue. They have a depression. They didn't do enough. They didn't seek therapy. I was always the victim. Now that I'm healed, now that I don't blame anyone but myself, I can look back and say, wow, that relationship didn't work because of the way I showed up and that relationship didn't work because of the way I showed up and I was so needy, I was so clingy and like I said, I was possessive and jealous early on and later on I was critical and judgmental and I'm thinking, who the heck would want to be with me? After all that behavior, who the heck would want to be with me? And then I look back at these relationships and think, man, they were resilient. They were too resilient. They were too tolerant of my behavior. All of my relationships could have been wonderful and could have lasted if I hadn't been who I was. And when you can look back and see your role and what you did to cause the problem, if you were the problem, you may not have been the problem. But when you are the problem and you deny that you are the problem, you don't learn. So to be able to heal through what I've gone through or who I was, the dysfunctions I carried with me, to be able to heal from that and look back and say, whoa, if I didn't have those dysfunctions, I wouldn't have been so controlling and emotionally abusive. I wouldn't have hurt these people that I cared about. Then what ends up happening is that you see things for how they really were and start taking responsibility. And when you take responsibility, you get to get the life you want. You start changing things for the better in yourself. You're not the victim anymore. And when you're not the victim, you can change things. When you're the victim, you can change nothing. If I chose to blame my wife for our divorce, if I chose to do that, then I can't control anything in my life because it's all dependent on someone else. Well, she divorced me. She's the one that had the problems and she's the one that needs to get fixed. I'm going to stay the same and move forward as I am. And if the next person leaves me, it's her problem too. If I do that, I never get what I want. I always get uh, failure. I always get problems because I'm playing the victim. I don't want to play the victim ever again. If I play the victim, then I have no control of my life. And because I was playing the victim, I tried to control those in my life and failed every time. 
I thought it was working because the relationships would last years, but the love waned, it disintegrated, and we became distant and eventually disconnected. And that's all she wrote. So that's um, my lesson from the trenches in case it ever helps you, is that uh, I think it's important to support the people we love as much as we can. Show them love, show them that you care, show them that even though you may not want it yourself, you know what, you want it, and seeing you happy makes me happy. What a wonderful gift that is. This person who wrote said, uh, you know what, I supported her and I did my thing and we still broke up, and then I read this and I didn't comment on it. He said, it was the easiest breakup of my life. And this made me think, it's so wonderful to have a breakup. <laughs> Not necessarily wonderful to have a breakup, but it's wonderful to have a breakup that you can leave without anger, without some sort of um, vengeful thought or lack of closure. There may still be questions in his mind. He says, you know, I don't know really what she was thinking. There are so many oddities and inconsistencies in what she said. That's what he wrote. And all I can do is shake my head. I, I don't know. This is called coming to an acceptance without a full understanding of everything. It's a lack of closure, you know. Somebody can break up with us, and we don't know why, and then we think, why did they break up? And that's all we think. And we continue thinking, and then for years we think, oh, I still don't know why they broke up with me. It still pains me to this day. And what is that? We're acting like a victim. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying if you stay in that place of non-closure where you don't have the answers and you can't move past it, then it's very hard to access the full uh, feelings of satisfaction or happiness in life because you're always going back into the past. You're always looking into that rearview mirror, wondering what they were thinking. I don't think it's wrong to think that. Like, there are times in my life where I can look back and think, why didn't they just tell me? Why didn't they just come up to me and say, this is what it is? That would have been a lot easier, but they never did. Or, what did they do near the end of the relationship? I, I still have questions about that. Did they see someone else? Did they fall in love with someone else? I, I don't know. But I'm not going to waste my time wondering about that because there's too much in the present and future to focus on. And I think I'll end this part of the show with this, is that we can look in the rearview mirror for a long time wondering and asking questions and what ends up happening is we're almost tethered to the past. I'm not moving forward because I'm so tethered to the past. And I'm here to say, if you don't already realize this, I'm sure you do, that there will be questions that you can never get answered. And I'm not talking about just relationships. I'm talking about in life. There will be questions you can never get an answer for. And there's a point where you have to be okay with that. Because there's over a billion times infinity things you'll never know. <laughs> and I understand relationships are very personal. You're very connected to it. But you'll never know what people think. You'll never know uh, what they're thinking near the end of a relationship. You'll never know why they did certain things or what they were thinking at the time. 
And um, you have to be okay with that. There's a lot of people that don't know why you do certain things. You, you aren't transparent about every single little thing. I'm sure there are, are bosses out there that think, why did they quit? They just got up and quit that day, and I have no idea why. Why did they quit? Are you going to call your boss and give them closure? <laughs> hey, boss, you know when I quit that job in 1996? Uh, who are you again? <laughs> well, I quit that job. You were my boss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering that. You're calling me why? Well, I have to tell you why I quit. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't say that, but let's just say you did. Well, you know, that could be on their mind or not, but we're probably not going to do that. So there are things that people have questions about with you, and you're going to move on, and that's okay. You move on because you have every right not to tell anyone anything, well, you know, for the most part. You don't have to tell people why you do the things you do. Sometimes you just do them. Sometimes you just got to move on, and some people will want answers, and sometimes you don't want to give them answers. Sometimes you just want to move on. I don't want to rehash the past. I want to move forward. This is what I mean, is that looking in the rearview mirror, being tethered to that past, it's, um, it's like training with one of those big rubber bands. You're trying to run forward, but the rubber band is holding you back, or somebody's holding you by a rope, and you're just trying to move your legs, pushing forward or pulling forward, and it's so hard to do. But if you cut that rope, how big are your steps? How fast can you go? What kind of progress can you make? This is like cleaning out your closets, moving forward, doesn't matter, I'm moving on. Brain loves to be curious, I know. The brain loves to solve mysteries, I know. But I think it's important to move on. So um, I don't know who needed to hear that today, but if that was meaningful to you, I hope it helps. Just like this person who wrote to me, and I want to thank this person for writing and also um, say that you are in a great space because to have a mature breakup like you did and not be stuck in the past even though you'd still like to know the answers but you're not stuck there and that's what I'm reading here and I think when you can have a quote grown-up breakup a mature breakup Things can go a lot easier. It's probably still going to be painful, but it does show support for the other person's decision, even when you disagree with it. And in my life, I want people to leave with a good feeling about me, even when I don't want what happens to happen. So if my relationship with my girlfriend ever comes to an end, I don't think it will, but if it ever did, I would want to leave as um, her knowing I was a good human being. I just said that in the Healed Being Facebook group. I think it's important that when there's no relationship left, we can at least show up as good human beings so that um, we leave a good impression. I mean, not that you have to, but I think it's sort of the nice thing to do. You know what? I'm going to treat you kindly. We may have our disagreements, and maybe we have to split some assets, but I'm still going to treat you with kindness and respect and show up as a decent human being. And hopefully, doesn't happen a lot, but hopefully they show up as a decent human being as well. 
So thanks for the person who wrote this. I hope you're in a good space today. It sounds like you are, and um, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to read another message about relationships when we come back right after this. Well, speaking of relationships, I want to mention two things that I do that are very helpful in relationships, whether you have problems or not. The Love and Abuse podcast at loveandabuse.com tells you about toxic behavior, toxic communication, and unhealthy ways you might communicate that uh, cause challenges in your relationship. This is very helpful. If you are having any type of difficulty in your relationship, the Love and Abuse podcast can be very helpful. Yes, it's geared toward emotionally abusive situations and it helps you understand what emotional abuse looks like and a lot of people are surprised what it looks like. So that can be helpful if you are experiencing any difficulties in your relationship. And I also talk about the other side of the coin, which is helping the difficult person, the one who is doing the toxic behavior, I teach them how to heal and change that behavior uh, from the inside out, not just stopping the behavior, but stopping the origin of the the behaviors, the triggers that cause the behaviors, and the coping mechanism that caused the triggers, and even diving down into the trauma that causes one to create coping mechanisms that lead to the triggers that lead to abusive behavior. So if you or someone you love wants to learn to change that behavior, head over to healedbeing.com. And like I said, I'm going to read you another relationship question. It's actually not really a question. It's more of a comment, and I'm going to make a comment on it. This person wrote, I want to say thank you so much for your podcast, Love and Abuse and the Overwhelmed Brain. They have helped me understand my toxic partner and equip myself with the tools for healing and working through my relationship. I'm so glad they were helpful. Thank you for your words. My partner and I have been together for many years and we have a child together. However, the emotional, verbal, and physical abuse has been ongoing since the beginning. The cycle of abuse was becoming more frequent and I could finally see how our toxicness was wearing us out and uh, having an effect on our child. In a heated argument not too long ago, he shoved me and my car got damaged and my child witnessed it. I finally called the cops and he was arrested and charged and then removed from the home and no contact was put in place. At first it was really hard, but now I feel so much stronger and empowered now that the relationship fog has lifted. Here's the catch though. I know eventually the no contact will be dropped and he'll be back home. He'll be enrolled in a program for abusive partners and he's been alcohol free since the incident. I still want the relationship if he's able to show remorse and he's continuing to take the steps and work on it and change. I guess I'm just anxious about how we move forward. Can he change? We've been to three different counselors and he still hasn't changed. I know he loves me and we enjoy a lot of things together, but I just don't want to be fooled. 
I guess I don't have a question. More or less, I just want to say thank you for explaining what behaviors to watch for and to observe the trend line and set boundaries and not budge on them and be strong enough to stand up for myself. I hope this was his rock-bottom wake-up call that he needs to realize his behavior is hurtful and unacceptable. Thank you. You know, I usually read a, a, a message like this on the Love and Abuse podcast, but I put it in this episode because it wasn't necessarily a question, and I think it's important enough to discuss uh, some of, or at least one or two of the details in here, because we could all deal with something like this. For example, if this person is an alcoholic, which it sounds like uh, alcohol is a problem for them, I don't know if he's an alcoholic or not, but it sounds like alcohol is a problem in their relationship, and especially for uh, her because of the physical abuse and, of course, the other abusive behaviors. Yeah, we're going to talk about the physical abuse in a second, but the alcohol when there's alcohol and it's a problem like an addiction it's not necessarily something that you see change often until what she said uh, the rock bottom happens rock bottom is when typically when people stop enabling the behavior and stop trying to bail the person out and trying to give them breaks and second and third and fourth chances Rock bottom is when they finally realize, the person who has a problem with alcohol, they finally realize that if they don't change, they're not going to be happy and they're not going to have relationships that they want. They're not going to feel the love and connection that they want. And um, unless they change, nothing will change. They will keep having problems. You can tell someone to change. You can tell them, if you don't change, I'll leave. You can say all kinds of things, but the person with the problem has to admit they have the problem and seek help and um, do it mainly for themselves. I mean, they can use other people to motivate them. Hey, I really want to heal and get past this or stop my addiction or whatever it is. Uh, And if I don't, then I'm not going to have the relationships I want. So relationships can be a motivation for them, but they really have to hit that point where they are self-empowered to make that decision. Because if it doesn't come from them, meaning I need to make this, otherwise I'm not going to be happy, and it's not something that somebody else convinces them to do. I mean, it can work that way, but the self-initiated decisions usually last the longest and are usually the most effective. What worries me about this message is that there was a big happening. There was a physical push, a physical assault that took place, and it could be enough for him to have been arrested and um, gone through that, the justice system and all that, and when all that happened, he might suddenly realize that if I don't change, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to have a record or at least additions to my record and my family, I'm going to lose them. This might be enough for him to change. And it might not. And what worries me is that some people change for others. They want to show the other person that they're changing. 
if they show the other person that they're changing, then they believe they can save the relationship. Some people will do that. And the problem with that is what if the other person isn't in the picture? Does that mean the person that says they want to change won't change? Because the reason for their change doesn't exist anymore. And let's just say that you get into a relationship with or back into a relationship with someone who has an addiction problem and they're they have changed for you they have stopped their behaviors their bad behaviors and their addictions for you and then you take a little trip you know three to five days you go on a trip with your friends or a trip with your family now they're alone what decisions are are they going to make when they're alone Maybe they'll get through it fine. Maybe they won't go back to that addiction. Maybe they won't do any of the old things they used to do. But um, this is why, you know, this is a test. This is important that when you change for someone else and that someone else isn't in the picture, who are you then? That's why it's important that they change for themselves, knowing that if they don't change for themselves, if they're reliant on someone else, that change may not stay or stick and if it doesn't stick then they go right back to the old behavior and if it's not with you it'll be with someone else because they didn't change for themselves so I'm kind of careful when I explain this because I want to make sure that it's okay or I want to tell you it's okay to have the motivation to change something about yourself uh, from something that happens you have a relationship blow up, you have a situation like this, it's okay to have that kind of motivation, but in the end it really has to be uh, you or whoever it is saying, I need to do this for me, otherwise I'll never be happy. I'll never have a relationship that I will last, or I'll never have a situation that doesn't devolve into something like this. So I think that's important, is that they have to initiate this decision and take the steps themselves regardless of who's in their life or who says they should. I think they need to come up with it themselves. Then when they come up with it themselves, it's more likely to last. doesn't always, but there is a better chance of it lasting. So that's the first part of this. Now, what she's not really asking but curious about is uh, has he changed? Will he stay changed if he did? Um, here's another thing is that the situation has to be so rock bottom or such a breakdown that it has a major impact in their life and enlightens them. This is my perspective, but I believe that when you want to stop something bad enough and you have trouble doing it and you've gone to counseling and you just can't figure out how to stop doing it because it's an addiction or just behavior you can't stop, something major has to happen in order for the person to finally get it. In emotionally abusive relationships, I call that um, full accountability. When the emotional abuser is called out, let's just say it's a romantic relationship, the victim of the emotional abuse calls them out and says, look, uh, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm leaving. Uh, I'm out of here. That could be their breakdown moment and moment of enlightenment. 
And what I mean by that is you can tell someone they're hurting you over and over and over again, but they don't change because you don't leave. I hope I said that right. They don't feel like they need to change because you're still there. If you're still in their life, then they believe that their behavior is not bad enough. And if you're still there, then what's the point of changing? Because they believe that what they're doing is justified or legit. And so if there's no huge breakdown or no full accountability, like, you know what, this is it, I'm out of here, then this is what happens is that the emotionally abusive person continues hurting them. And in my Heal Being program, the majority of people who join have reached that breakdown point. I mean, it's sad that it has to get that far, but that's exactly what happened in my life too. When I was doing hurtful behavior, I had to reach a breakdown point. I had to reach full accountability. Um, I had to realize that, no, I'm not going to be able to save my marriage. And I can't believe I'm losing this person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I can't believe I'm losing her. Oh, crap, this is for real. And that moment I realized I, I have to do something. I have to, A, take responsibility. Don't play the victim. Take responsibility. Realize that my behavior caused this. And then B, take action. And take action means seeing all these behaviors or remembering all these behaviors I did while in the relationship and taking action on healing each and every one of the reasons I was doing those behaviors. And that means figuring out what triggers me. You know, why am I triggered by this specific behavior? And once I learn what triggers me, I dive into those things. Like if I get angry about something, why am I angry? What's causing this anger? I mean, this is what I call drilling down into the problems. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but I talk about that in other episodes, like where I talk about emotional triggers. You can find that at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Just type in the word triggers in the search field, and it will help you dive into the reason you become triggered or uh, at least help you discover your own reasons why you, why it happens. But um, that's what I had to do. I had to dive into each and every single reason I became triggered. And I still do that today because even though I've healed from the majority of my emotional triggers and I do not do emotionally abusive behavior anymore, it still sneaks up <laughs> in the background. Some weird thought that I haven't addressed yet, some old coping mechanism that I haven't dealt with yet that uh, is dysfunctional or unhealthy, when that comes up, I address it. And in fact, I was just writing a lesson for healed being today, or I was posting in the Facebook group or something. And I said, when I'm getting triggered, the first thing I have to do is get out of the conversation. I have to step back, stop focusing on usually the person in my life, my girlfriend, stop focusing on her and what she did wrong and how I'm right. I have to stop that process altogether and focus inward, focus on myself, focus on my own processes and why I'm thinking this way and why I'm trying to blame her or control her or change her. I step out of the conversation and I have to uh, think about what I'm doing and dive into that. If I keep my focus on her 
then my outward behavior might be unhealthy and it might be detrimental to the relationship, which is why I have to interrupt my own pattern. Uh-oh, I'm getting triggered. Let me step out of this and, and explore that. And so I, I share that just in case you have to deal with that at all. But uh, that's what I was just talking about today in another group. And the reason I mention that is when you have uh, alcohol in this person's situation, the alcohol uh, keeps your filters down. It keeps their sometimes shuts them down. It shuts them off. And if you have no filters, then you show up in the world in your raw format, your rawest format. And when you're in your raw state of mind, anything and everything that goes through your mind, it can come out in words, in physical behavior, in your mannerisms, everything, everything. And so that's dangerous because how many of us have thought about hurting someone because they made us angry? We have filters. They stop us from doing this stuff. But the alcohol, those filters can be turned off. So when there's alcohol involved and the filters are turned off, uh, anything and everything is possible. With this person, unfortunately, there's been physical abuse. And, you know, with physical abuse, all I can tell you is that uh, if it's happened more than once, it's likely to happen again. That's a warning. I'm sorry, but it's true. Even if it happened once, it's more likely to happen again. Because the one time it did happen, you know, you said it was physical abuse, and I think you were intimating that it was, uh, you also had physical abuse in the past from this person. Um, if it happened before, you noticed it happen again. If it's happened twice, it's more likely to happen again. So this is just my public service announcement, and I, I want you to be aware of this. It's possible that it will happen again. I mean, it's, I should say probable. So I want you to be careful there. I'm so glad you have boundaries and you're working on this more and more and getting your head clear because that's what you'll need. You'll need to be highly observant of his behavior if you want to continue this relationship. And I'm not saying someone can't change. I'm not saying someone can't stop physically hurting someone. Uh, if alcohol shuts down his filters and causes him to be physical, and he's never physical in a bad way uh, without the alcohol, then the alcohol might be the thing that you have to watch once he becomes inebriated. You got to get away. You just have to know that there's a high likelihood that you will be hurt. And um, it may also happen without, but maybe he will continue not drinking. And if that's the case, and he's got a heart of gold every other hour of the day when he's not drinking, then maybe everything will work out great. You know, my stepfather, uh, a long time ago when he was a part of my life, when he wasn't drinking, he was amazing. He was a great stepfather. He was sober and he was generous and he was supportive and he did things for the family and he did things for me and it was nice. But um, he drank almost every day so I got to see this dichotomy take place where he went from completely sober and friendly and nice and loving to wow, no filters, very dangerous and uh, 
he was just on this cycle. It's just every day. So that puts a lot of fear into into you when you're around that. And if you're around that, if he starts drinking again, you need to seriously consider a major step forward for you and your welfare and your child and make sure you're not in the danger zone. I would say that um, if the alcohol is what spurs his bad behavior, then once there's alcohol, you're in the danger zone. And that's important to remember and stay away from or get away from as soon as possible. Like I said, if it happened once, it's probably going to happen again. If it happened twice, it will very likely happen again. If it's only alcohol-related, then, you know, who knows? It's a gamble. And just be careful about that. And yes, stay headstrong. Stay observant. I don't encourage you to be in any type of abusive relationship. Sometimes it can work if you stay strong and you are honoring yourself and honoring your boundaries. And that will help you get through every other situation because if he's willing to work on himself, if this is the breakdown that he needed to start changing his life, then maybe it'll work out. So just be aware. Whatever has happened before, like you said at the very end of your message, uh, you're watching the trend line. You're observing it. Is it going up and to the right? Is it getting better? That's something you got to keep observing and never let your guard down. That doesn't mean you have to be paranoid. It just means always be aware. You know his weaknesses in the sense of if he drinks alcohol, he might be dangerous. So you are aware of that. And for those listening, thinking I'm encouraging a relationship with somebody who's dangerous, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not doing that at all. I'm encouraging her to make empowered decisions for herself. This is just like when you talk to an alcoholic and you say, I want you to stop drinking alcohol. It's causing so many problems in your life. You're dangerous. You're hurtful. And they say, okay, I'll do that. And then they don't because they didn't come up with their own you know, choice. They, they're not making that choice. They are listening to you and they are just telling you what they want you to hear. Again, not all alcoholics would respond like this, but I'm saying when it's self-initiated, it's self-empowered and they will stick with that typically more often than somebody else telling them to do it, which is why I don't tell anyone what they need to do. I mean, in a way I do, because if they're asking, what do I do? (laughs) I might say something, but uh, this person's not saying, well, what do I do? Should I stay? Should I go? She just wanted to know, can he change? Uh, It's possible. It, it's going to take a lot of work on his part. And if he goes through this program that you mentioned and he quits, then expect more of the same. So he's going to join this program for abusive partners. If he quits that program, do not expect him to be any different because someone who is really serious about changing is going to do everything in their power even if they don't like it, even if they don't want to be there. They're going to do everything in their power to change because they care more about not hurting you than doing something that they don't want to do. If I had a bad behavior and it was affecting my girlfriend and I couldn't stop, I would care more about not hurting her anymore than I would do whatever it took to stop that behavior so I didn't hurt her anymore and you know I don't want to lose the relationship and I want to keep this thing that I have going on I don't want to hurt her anymore though that should be his 
absolute number one priority. I don't want to hurt her anymore. And I want to be a different person. I want to heal this in me because I don't want to hurt anyone. And that definitely should be his priority. So watch for that. If he quits that program, then I think that's a real problem. Um, and But let me come back to what I was just saying. Uh, like I said, I'm not encouraging anyone to be in an abusive relationship. I only encourage you making empowered decisions for yourself. I don't know the entirety of your situation. Maybe he is only abusive when he drinks. Some people will say that's not good enough. Some people will not tolerate that. I support someone's intoleration of that. And I also support someone who knows the situation they're in and knows what to look for and is willing to stand up for themselves. And if they're ready to not take anymore, they're going to leave. And if they really want to work in the relationship and they're aware of the possible dangers and the possible caveats, then it's their choice. And it really comes down to that. It really is her choice. It's your choice to work on anything that you want to work on, but you have to know ahead of time what the possible caveats or the dangers are. And so I hope I've armed you with enough information to let you know that this could go great, but the probability that it won't is higher than the possibility of it going great, which means you have to be hypervigilant, hyper-aware, just in case it starts to go south. You have to watch for the signs. And when it starts to go south, let's just say he starts drinking and you notice it and you think, well, he's not quite drunk. You have to be less forgiving. You have to be less lenient so that you don't get into the situation that you are or you have already been in. Because I do believe most people can change unless they're diagnosable. <laughs> if he's a diagnosable narcissist or sociopath, he's probably not going to change. But if he just has issues he needs to work on and he did bad behavior, because physical abuse is very bad behavior, I believe people can change. But you have to realize that the chances of him changing and being healed are much less than the chance that he'll actually do something bad again. And uh, since I don't know if he only does all this stuff when he's drinking alcohol, then I just want you to be aware of that too. Because if he's doing other abusive behavior outside the alcohol, then everything I said kind of doubles. Like the chances of it happening again, I double the chances. So just be aware. I hope that's not bad news, but I hope it's also empowering you with enough information to do the right thing for you and your kids and even for him because sometimes we have to make hard decisions for the people that don't make the right decisions in our life and what I mean by that is sometimes we give a gift to someone by leaving them so that they do hit rock bottom so that they do start to make the changes in their life because they realize that they're not making the right decisions and um, if we're not in their life that is accountability. That is full accountability. And some people need that to understand that um, they really need to change. They really need to do something in their life. Otherwise, they'll never be happy. And we have to protect ourselves. I always see full accountability as a gift. Because when you do something bad to me, 
I want to show you that it's unacceptable and I may do that by leaving because I'm serious. I think you should be serious about yourself to protect yourself and to remind yourself that you are worthy and do not deserve bad behavior from anyone. Thanks so much for writing. I wish you the best with this. Stay safe and stay strong in yourself, for yourself and your family so that you can make the right decisions that you need to make. We'll be right back with my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our financial backers today. These are the patrons of the week. Nathan, Jessica, Jamie, Angel, Crystal, Jillian, Michelle, John, and Chris. I almost wrote your name wrong, Chris. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for your financial support of the show. These are the patrons of the week. They find the show valuable and they want to give back. And I am grateful for that. I am honored that they do that. Thank you, patrons. I appreciate all of you. If you find value in the show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com and you can become a monthly patron or give a one-time donation. Totally up to you and totally optional. I'm not putting any pressure on you. (laughs) This is just something that some people want to do and I am very grateful and it is helpful. Thank you again. And I already told you about Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. That's my other podcast. And the program Healed Being over at healedbeing.com, program for emotionally abusive people that want to change. If you're dealing with anything like that or anything I talked about today, uh, check out those two resources. They're very helpful. I get a lot of great feedback and a lot of uh, good stories that uh, people share with me over there and a lot of success stories. So check those out if you are in any type of situation like that and finally thanks to kevin mcleod of incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain and whether you're in a romantic relationship or not everything i talk about on how to communicate in a healthy way uh, applies to everyone it even applies to yourself how do you communicate with yourself my girlfriend and i were just talking about this yesterday it's Sort of like when you have a uh, thought about someone that you've wronged and you think, man, I was just awful back then. Why did I do that? You can have a conversation with yourself. You can say, why did you do that? Why did I do that? Okay, I did that because I was so mad. Why were you mad? This is kind of like the self-coaching or self-therapy that you can do with yourself. Why am I jealous right now? <laughs> Why am I jealous? I shouldn't be jealous. I have a secure relationship. I feel secure and confident. I don't think at all that my girlfriend's going to cheat or anything like that. So where's this jealousy coming from? So when that stuff comes up for you, question it. Don't repress it. Don't stuff it back down. Bring it up. What's going on? <laughs> Where is this feeling coming from? Why am I thinking that? And then dive in even further with what I like to call stupid questions that lead to healing. Um, Like, um, okay, let's just say that guy touched my girlfriend's back and I had always suspected him of, you know, wanting something more from her and I get this jealous feeling or anger or something like that. And then I would 
ask a question like, well, Paul, why are you jealous? Well, he might take her away from me. And then the stupid question I might ask is, well, how is that a problem? Let's say he takes her away from you. How is that a big deal? And then my initial response is going to be, what? <laughs> That's a stupid question. Yeah, but why? Why is it a big deal? Tell me. And then when I answer that question, because I'm going to force myself to explore this even further, I might ask, why again? Or how that next thing is a problem? Well, if he takes her away from me, that, you know, I'll make it'll make me feel terrible I'll I'll think that uh, she doesn't love me okay she doesn't love you how is that a big deal that's a stupid question <laughs> so that's what I like to do with myself I like to ask myself those really stupid questions that most people would say well anyone would be upset by that as soon as you hear yourself say anything like that well anyone would be angry you haven't dug deep enough. You have to drill down into these um, feelings that you have that are bothering you. If you have any type of negative feeling that you don't like having, that's the way to drill into them. It's just keep asking yourself questions. Why am I feeling this? What's this about? How is this a problem in my life? What else is in there? What's underneath that? And then when I answer these questions, well, how is that a problem? Why is that a big deal? And then when you get to some really obvious stuff, well, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to feel like I'm unworthy. Well, how is feeling unworthy a problem? You know, these questions really dive into the deepest part of you and pull things out that you may not have ever addressed. And maybe they'll unlock something that uh, really helps you achieve the next level, you know, get to a different space inside of you where you're not so concerned anymore because you've loosened some tight grip of something that you had, sort of like um, a, a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Well, there's a lot of layers, right? We usually talk about the emotional layers of an onion like an onion layer and um, the uh, or something like that layers of an onion are the emotional anyway uh, how many licks does it take to get to the tootsie? the tootsie roll is the origin of the emotion and the thoughts and the feelings if you can get to that tootsie roll by wearing that lollipop down to nothing then you're at the root of it and Usually you can tell when you get to the root or the origin of a thought or a feeling uh, when you get to a place where you just can't express it. It's almost like only a feeling. It's only something you feel inside. Well, I don't, I don't know. how. Why is it a bad thing that I would be alone? I don't know. I just feel sad. Well, why is it bad that I feel sad? Uh, uh, <laughs> you start being unable to respond but keep digging until you get to that point and when you get to that point sometimes the problem goes away sometimes you have a better understanding of it sometimes you reach a new level of how to deal with other issues in your life uh, sometimes maybe you go nowhere sometimes this is the first step into multiple steps to getting to some issues that you might be holding on to or pressing or feeling whatever you don't want to feel that's basically when I do this. I don't normally do it when I'm happy, like, 
well, how is it a, a big deal to be happy? <laughs> you know, I don't usually uncover things that make me happy. I just enjoy the moment. And uh, I like more of those moments. And I'm sure you do too. So thanks again for joining me today. Just remember to keep an open mind. This helps you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.